0: Hello, Goldmine readers and now listeners, this is Patrick Prince, editor of Goldmine, and welcome to this episode of the Goldmine Magazine podcast. Uh, for this podcast, author and longtime Goldmine contributor Dave Thompson is going to join us and talk about the book he has written for Goldmine, The Essential Guide to Record Collecting. It's a great guide, especially for beginners and fun For veteran enthusiasts it covers many musical genres and we had an excerpt of one chapter in our January issue with Donovan on the cover um, which was our psychedelic rock issue and yes this this chapter obviously covered psychedelic rock uh, picks out the best psychedelic records psychedelic psychedelia records to collect but there are so many Um, and Dave limited down to whittled it down to uk singles and he'll explain why in our upcoming interview and uh, it's pretty interesting also we'll be talking to jim kerr vocalist of simple minds and simple minds has a new album out and uh, it's called walk between worlds uh, simple mind fans will be pleased i'll tell you that and uh, kerr still has the pipes and, and in fact uh his vocals are quite strong. In other words, he's taken care of his voice all these years. Uh, Jim Kerr is also an avid music collector. So we'll talk about that too. It's going to be a very interesting chat. But first off, Dave Thompson. And he'll be with us after this message. Hey, I'm Ronald Webb, and this is Patrick Prince. And together we host the Goldmine Radio Hour, the show that features the latest issue of Goldmine, the Music Collector's Magazine. Tune in Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on CygnusRadio.com. Inside Goldmine's Essential Guide to Record Collecting, you picked uh, Psychedelia. You got Pink Floyd, which is $200. See Emily play. I didn't realize... It was that much. Is that what the little kid drawing on it?
1: Yeah, the
2: train. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's early Flo- all the early Floyd singles, you know, UK, US, wherever, are so difficult to sort of find in good shape at a good price.
0: And that was a UK single. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, With Scarecrow on the on the B side.
2: Yeah, I focused on the UK in the in the book. Why was that? Because I was doing UK psych bands. Right. And I, in a in a strange way, it feels like the UK psychedelic scene is more self-contained than the American.
0: Well, the American um, is them. is kind of... The American scene, yeah, I agree with that. I Because I, I, you have... A, America's so large, and you, those psychedelic bands seem to have different elements of influence mixed in.
2: Yes. And I mean, yeah, I suppose it is it is the size of the country, but also more British psych bands I think are remembered by a lot of people today. They're not just chased by the small cult or comparatively small cult of psych collectors.
0: Well it was not, more it was more a scene, wasn't it, in the yeah. late sixties, right? And, uh, you know, I had some, one reader say, Grateful Dead, they're not psychedelic, why'd you put them in the issue? But, others, think they are a psychedelic band.
2: Yeah, I agree with the first reader, to an extent, but, there again, you can't take the dead out of the story.
0: You can't, no. Probably (laughs) because of the drug thing, but.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that Airplane probably only had two albums, that are
0: really. Bingo. Yeah. Actually,
2: and even Surrealistic Pillow, if it wasn't for the title of White Rabbit, yeah. you know, the, it, that probably wouldn't be counted either. I mean, Baxter's is, you know, the holy grail of Jefferson Airplane Psych, I think. At least that they released during their lifetime.
0: And then you, then you listed Tyrannosaurus Rex, Deborah, um, Child Star. I was, I'm more of a T-Rex fan than, than the folky stuff, but I, I couldn't get that song out of my head, man.
2: <laughs> well, you, you can like both, you know, that is permitted.
0: <laughs> but $100, I was surprised about that one, too.
2: Again, if Boland was so huge, you know, once he became huge. Right. And those early, those early singles, most of them did chart in the UK low. Right. But, you know, they did chart but at the same time, when you think how many people would have bought them in 1967, 69, and how many wanted them thereafter,
0: right?
2: that's where the value goes.
0: Yeah. And you had some good, I mean, I thought you had some good picks. I mean, Donovan, I mean, the Rock Hall, you have Hurdy Gertie Man here. Uh, the yeah. Rock Hall, you know, when he was inducted, they said he was basically the person that, the musician that started it all with Sunshine Superman. Um, I'm not sure you agree with that, but I kind of do.
2: It's such an, I mean, there's such an interesting, but also I think everybody has their own answer to that. I'm currently writing a book with Jim McCarthy from The Yardbirds. Yes. and We pretty much agreed that Shapes of Things was the first psychedelic record. Mm. So 18 months early. Interesting, and yeah, happening ten years time ago. Yeah, late '66. I think it was just after the Donovan, but that confirmed it. Yes, but all the ingredients of psych the Yardbirds had. It's just mm. that nobody had even thought of naming it at that time. Well, they
0: were trendsetters. One, the, I recently read a Salon article where the writer said that. It wasn't zeppelin who started heavy metal it was really the yardbirds should get more credit
2: oh that's so cruel <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i like the yardbirds
0: yeah he's saying the yardbirds should get the credit not zeppelin yeah
2: but not for heavy metal yeah give, yeah, yeah i see what, give what you're a saying credit for something else <laughs>
0: okay i see what you're saying knitting or something <laughs> <laughs> not a heavy so metal my- fan
2: um, well I mean that I mean that's the other thing isn't it you know what was the first heavy metal band oh, you um, could
0: say cream
2: I spent a long a long time blaming blue uh, crediting blue cheer
0: right
2: um but
0: they also can you know were considered in the psychedelic realm too as a yeah.
2: a freak and, out and, band so and vanilla fudge in a way, yes, I mean, it's like I'm not the biggest fudge fan, I must admit right but just the way they approached it. I mean, if, if there had to be a link between prog and heavy metal... Yes. Vanilla Fudge, you know, did the whole thing.
0: Well, their songs went on for <laughs> forever. <laughs> forever.
2: Yeah, I'm still listening to their first album. <laughs> 51 years later.
0: But there were some surprises in your list. The The Who, Magic Bus.
2: Yeah. Well, is it just because
0: of that song? Because I, I never think of The Who as... Uh psychedelic i
2: i think i mean the who was sort of late latish to the party yeah. but you know you listen to the who sell out and i mean there's definitely the english interpretation of psychedelia in there right. um and they just get magic bus you know i mean i wouldn't do it but you know you could imagine rolling a big do be in a gatefold sleeve and listening to a 15 minute live magic bus and True. going wherever it takes you
0: True <laughs> on on a magical bus Yes
2: um, if you're listening at home don't do that to children
0: Is there a single that you wish you put in there that you left out I know you Quite just a... you just kept it to the UK so
2: I just kept it to the UK I mean, I have so many favourites from that period. I mean, things like Madman Running Through the Fields by Dantalian's Chariot, um, you know, the Gong with the Luminous Nose, uh, Jabberwocky. I mean, there's just there's so much. I mean, that list could have gone on for most of the book.
0: Yeah. M- imagine <laughs> I- if you imagine if you it wasn't just UK, it was <laughs> just the genre in a whole. That could be a book in itself. not and a if champ- it
2: wasn't, And if it wasn't just singles.
0: Yes, exactly.
2: Yeah, I mean, I did that book a few years ago, The, um, the One Thousand Greatest Songs. And, I mean, that... Oh, I remember
0: awesome. that. That caused great debate because... Um... Nobody
2: agreed with any of them. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, you know, even there, you know, right at the top, I can't remember, was it like two or three, Season of the Witch by Donovan...
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. That that's that's a good one. Yeah, but
2: you know, then I blew my credibility by having bus stop at number one.
0: Well, that's not. You know, that's a great song. I think it my is. my my problem was with another pick you had, um, by a solo artist, a single, a singer songwriter, and I can't. Al Stewart. I think it was an Al Stewart song. Um, Poor Al. <laughs> I bought the record. I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> I have. An I wanted to send spot. it to you. Yeah, Thanks for letting me buy this.
2: Soft spot for Al Stewart. Yeah. Uh, his, his first two out, well, first one and a half albums. Yeah. I think was like one of the. It's probably the, the height of singer songwriter dumb. Just in those, you know, three sides.
0: But (laughs) but in the record collecting book, I mean, is besides the disco uh, part, um, you wanted to put that in. But is there another chapter you think stands out besides the psychedelic one? Um,
2: why I should? Oh, it should just
0: be read on a on a (laughs) whole.
2: Most of them they wouldn't have gone in if I didn't feel that they
0: were right, right, right.
2: And the book was just so much fun to do because I mean, there's so much that could go into it.
0: Exactly.
2: Um, and you know, being of sort
0: of well, it's a guide. It's a guide.
2: Yeah, and, and you know, being of mysterious European extraction, uh, there is a lot of things from the old country mm. that well, could have gone in, but you know, really not appropriate.
0: Right. Well, the, you know, it's it's at a good price, seventeen ninety nine. I mean, that's 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 a good price nowadays.
2: Yeah, and, uh, it is, isn't it? Yeah, and I can't believe uh, the price of books these
0: days. <laughs> well, we had, goldmine <laughs> had a little special here for eleven ninety nine and free shipping.
2: I hope that you know it does what it says on the front. You yes, know,
0: it's, essential guide. It's a guide.
2: good guide. Uh, you know, and essential is one of those words that you can always sort of wow. Well, it doesn't mention therefore. But I think if you're looking for a, sort of a good overall, slightly biased, but whatever you put in, it's going to feel slightly biased. Right. Yeah, uh, you know, selective. I think it's a nice word. Yeah, you're. you're
0: um, yeah, yeah. You're always going to have people judging what you've, you've. Uh, yeah. All your there's choices.
2: Not, there's not enough Beatles in there. There's not enough jokes.
0: Right. Um.
2: I mean, I did. Enjoy, I did enjoy the Elvis Presley chapter. Um, that was that was. It's fun. hard to.
0: What can you say about Elvis that hasn't been said before? That's even if it's about collecting. <laughs> it's like. <laughs>
2: well, that, that's what's fun about it. I mean, one of the ideas I had for the Elvis chapter was: Do you remember when that box set came out a couple, of well, a few years ago now? Which
0: all one? RCA,
2: oh yes. The, all, all the RCA yeah. albums. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's like, it was too expensive for me to buy, so I decided to pick them all up on the scratchiest vinyl
0: I could. Oh, okay. Prefer-
2: How'd preferably, that go? Preferably with a, sort of a defaced sleeve from the time. <laughs> with you know, I love the pelvis written all over it in eight-year-old scrawl.
0: Well, you're one and of those weird collectors that likes... It's like buying a well-ridden car. You like you <laughs> like your vinyl that had a lot of experience.
2: I I like my vinyl to have been loved before I got it.
0: <laughs> loved and, um, and loved the... You use that kind of term loosely. Be Well used. <laughs> yeah.
2: no, no, well loved.
0: Okay, well loved. Um,
2: and I, I actually succeeded. I got all the albums. Um... Some of them are in very lamentable condition. Yes. But I don't care.
1: Right. Um,
2: and then I sort of stretched out to, you know, what, which album should have been in the box. So it's things like Having Fun with Elvis on Stage and um, that double album of all the Memphis sessions. Um, yeah. You know, so I just sort of kept going. But yeah, I did get it. And then I did finally pick up the CD box. And it's fun to sort of look at the two side by side.
0: I agree with you, though, that uh, <laughs> I think collectors, vinyl collectors, get too caught up. And the near-mint thing, trying to get, you know, you could just get vinyl that's, you know, very good quality and enjoy it.
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, uh, yeah, even, you know, a few clicks of, you know. Right. Doesn't bother me. Right. I would rather buy, you know, ten records I really like in VG than one in mint.
0: I, I mean, I have friends that snub their nose when I check out the budget bin. But, you know, it's nice with Discovery if I want to check out a band. And sometimes the records are they're good enough. You know?
2: And you're more likely to take a chance. You are. If it's a dollar, you'll say, well, I haven't heard the Papa John album, but I'll get it.
0: And if you're lucky, maybe that American Pie album will be free. Because there's so (laughs) many of them. I actually got one that was free. (laughs) And it plays fine.
2: (laughs) That is so much better than people a lot think. Of people
0: expect. Well, they're getting it for one song, right?
2: <laughs> I like the whole album.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, that, I got that free um, just because
2: yeah, yeah, that's that was a good deal.
0: The record store had too many of them, and <laughs> he just put a box <laughs> out and said, "Take them." It <laughs> was in there with you know Barbra Streisand and and you know Paul Anka, but. Hey, I wasn't going to pass down American pie.
2: No. So. No, it's it's well worth it. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of albums that are just sort of so unhip and they so overpopulate the budget bins.
0: But and then, then you, you have, have the have guy who buys uh 800 copies of Velvet Underground and Nico.
2: I'm so <laughs> jealous of that. <laughs> I am so jealous. I'd love to have 800 copies.
0: Now, that's what you call a collector. A very yeah. obsessed one.
2: <laughs> Imagine doing that with something sort of a little less collectible, though.
0: Yeah. Know. Well, there has been those. I, I know people who collect certain things, like
2: yes.
0: Herba, the Tijuana Brass. Well,
2: I was thinking of a single, out, I have 800 copies of you know, Bear <laughs> Trees by Fleetwood Mac. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Then you say you were didn't you collect the Bay City rollers at one point? I
2: I still pick up Bay City rollers records if I find one that I don't have. Well,
0: if I see one in the free box, <laughs> <laughs> I'll save it for you. I'm not yeah, sure I, their vinyls worth anything. Um no, sadly. But, you know, there's a again from that period. I mean, that would have been another good one to put into the book. Would have been 70s teeny bob idols. True.
2: Um yeah, you know, apart from you know Dear Departed David. Yes. You know, I mean the rollers, the Osmonds, um see Andy Williams' nephews who had a had a go.
0: But then you yeah. start then you start going into the uh bubblegum, right? You start doing uh I like, the band, is, like the, the, is, the band the band who played on those Scooby Doo uh cartoons.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, what is it the Bugaloos <laughs> is surprisingly collectible though. It is.
0: That it is. That that is true. That is very uh, true.
2: I was a I was amazed when I first came over here, because um, at home not so much. Like, I come over here and be talking to people and say, Oh yeah, you know, I collect Andy Kim because and, you know, I collect Jeff Barry because The
0: Archies, right.
2: Yeah, and in fact, like, really? <laughs> yeah, Archies collectors. I just didn't
0: understand. Yeah.
2: I... Because you know, they had the one hit in England which you know they had it everywhere and uh, nothing else at all. <laughs>
0: well, anyway man, thanks for thanks for doing the podcast. Thank you Dave Thompson. And you can buy the Goldmine Essential Guide to Record Collecting at com. That's k r a u s e books.com or call 855-864 Two five seven nine Monday through Friday eight a.m. to five p.m. Mountain Time and the retail price is seven hundred ninety nine, but if you're listening to this podcast, you can actually get it for eleven ninety nine and enter or mention the discount code R five two zero one. That's R as in Randy five two zero one and you'll get free shipping as well. Okay, after this message, we'll be back with Simple Minds vocalist Jim Kerr.
1: CygnusRadio.com presents Wingnut's psychedelic bubblegum shop with your host, Ronald Webb. Hey, boys and girls, you want to hear some of those
0: super-fantastic groovy tunes? Well, step inside my retro flashback show. It's got that sticky, sweet guitar fuzz that you'll hear of the one-hit wonders, the b-sides, the LP cuts, the obscure rare tracks, dashed along with some Saturday morning TV-themed
2: schoolhouse rock and those campy movie trailers. Right here on CygnusRadio.com, Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern. And rebroadcast Tuesday nights, 8 p.m. Can you dig it?
0: Hey, Jim, how are you?
1: I'm very good, thank you. Good.
0: Congratulations on Walk Between Worlds. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you very
1: much. Yeah, getting exciting now because it's only uh, a couple of weeks. Well, certainly in Europe anyway until it comes out, or two two or three weeks. So, uh, yeah, it's um, getting a really good reaction, and uh, I'm just delighted that at this next week the band is 40 years old and yeah. we we decided not to really jump up and down so much about that <laughs> only because we got a new record coming out and we didn't want we didn't want everything to be overshadowed by the past but right. obviously obviously the past is a huge you know everything we've done is 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 laid up to, to where we are now is from the past but um we thought uh let's try and focus as much on this new thing but nevertheless it is 40 years and if you had said to me uh, 40 years ago that we would get the chance to do all the things we've done and yeah. 40 years later we would have a record with the kind of energy that Walk Between Worlds has either uh, well yeah. I wouldn't have believed you but I'd have been been delighted
0: musically you have a glorious past
1: <laughs> thank you yeah yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah musically thank God for that yeah. <laughs>
0: so one one thing I've always loved about the band's sound and and your voice is there was always like a and I think you captured it on this this new record there was always a melancholy sort of brilliance in the mood where it also had elements of hope in the end, but it was very cathartic for the listener and personally that's what I have always liked about the band and well, that's-
1: Nice to hear, and I, I think I, uh, I know what what you mean with the with the kind of ingredients yes. that you've uh, mentioned there, and um, I think there's a, both a kind of longing to the music, a longing yes. and a searching. Not quite sure what the long and the search is about, but um, well,
0: uh, well, every human, being, human ha- being, every human being has that search, right? Existential, exactly. right? Ex-
1: Exactly. that's that's what it is, yeah. and we've been so lucky in life because you know so many of the things that we would have wanted or dreamed about have panned out, but that doesn't mean to say you're not still longing and still searching and uh um it's something i guess profound and and when you're engaged with the music or when you're engaged with the art that's the voices that's the Emotions that seem to um seem to be the things that come through in our our
0: uh, sound, yeah, and you've lost nothing in your voice, man. How do you do it
1: <laughs> well that's a great thing too i think you know i i'm am i am one of these rare very rare very rare species. I'm not only a rock and roller who doesn't drink. I'm a Scotsman who doesn't drink, <laughs> and, and and I don't smoke. And people say to me, "Oh, yeah, that's it because alcohol's bad bad for the voice, isn't it?" I say, "No, staying up all night talking is bad bad for the voice." True. Um, so I don't know if it's got something to do with that. But listen, touch wood. Uh, um, no, there's a tone there, and I think I think it's every band. You know, it has to find its own tone and its own language and its own sentiments as you already picked out. Likewise, for the voices, you know, it's good if you can come up with something that, uh, you know, people really associate with you uh, as opposed to being a generic thing. And, um, and um, yeah, they've been our trademarks and they still seem to be very uh,
0: present. Well, one of the songs on, on the new album, and Star... Um, you have a sort of uh, something I I don't think I've heard um, in you a sort of David Bowie feel in there.
1: Yes, I mean well. I, I'll go into that there because when you when when you first uh, one of the first things you said when I was speaking to you that you're talking about your thing and you mentioned memorabilia. Yes. And uh, Barland. Well, first of all, I should say Barland. A lot of people won't know. It's kind of um and glad. Farland is the this legendary music venue that uh, it goes back to the 50s. It's kind of like, it'd be like our Roseland Ballroom. I, I don't know if the, I don't think the Roseland Ballroom's going anymore, right? But uh, it goes back to, you know, our, our parents, maybe even our grandparents uh, danced there, big band jazz. And then of course uh, when rock and roll came along everyone went there and um and um it, but it's kind of it's it's had a a rich past you know it was closed for years because of violence, got uh, dilapidated and then simple minds at the height of our popularity we got the chance to open the ballroom up again it's gone on it's gone on to be it's become almost worldwide if you were to ask the Foo fighters Mm. Um, their five favorite venues, or five favorite, I'm sure they would say Barland, if you were to ask many of them, and, um, and lo and behold, um, <clears throat> David Bowie actually played there as well, mm. really mm. late in his career, I guess it would have been one of his last gigs, and, uh, the thing that the Barland has, it has this art deco ceiling, this, all these stars, it's almost like a galaxy, mm. and, um, Occasionally fall off. No one's been injured yet, but they, when when Bowie was sound checking, one fell off. He picked it up and he took it. I believe the story is he took it back to his flat in Paris or maybe New York, whatever it is. Huh. Great, great story. Well, actually. I also have one of the stars. It was given to me as a piece of memorabilia. Wow! I have it up in my 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 writing room, and it was just calling out to me huh. right about this place, right about what it meant to be there, right about what it meant. Uh, it's almost like, like a hallowed ground. And at the same time, I couldn't detract the boy's story from it. And so, uh, and of course, you know, it's two years, we're all affected by by Bowie's yeah, death, still yeah. carrying it around, those people that have been influenced by him, and um, it's all in that story, Babylon Star.
0: Did you ever collaborate with him? You've collaborated with quite I, a few people, so I'm just that's why I was. Well,
1: I, 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 amazingly, because I'm such a fan, both of Boy and of Iggy Pop, uh, a fantastic cool incident led me to to sing back in vocal with Boy on an Iggy pop track that was mm. back in 1979. So I guess you could call that a collaboration. I've never until now, but I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> and well, in fact, I probably will mention it every day now for the rest of my life.
0: What is the track? I've, I, I, I've...
1: It's a track. The album was called Soldier and it's a track called Play It Safe. And oh. the story is we, we recorded in, in um, Are you an Iggy fan by any chance? Yes. Yeah. We recorded in a place uh, called Rockfield Studios, which is like a countryside residential. It's the last place you would ever think Iggy Pop would turn up. But we were there doing our second album. We were still kids. I wasn't even 20 years old. And we were in the little studio and we turned up and we said, who's in the big studio? And he said, Iggy Pop. And we said, no way. And he said, yeah, we said Iggy Pop in the Welsh countryside. (laughs) How's that? You know, it's never going to, we never thought we would see him. But the short version is that Iggy was kind of um, on the wagon then. I think he had promised James Williamson that he was going to be a good boy. And, you know, he wasn't drinking and he wasn't doing all that stuff but Iggy soon found out that this man from Glasgow next door had turned up with, um, you know, we had a lot of pretty girls with us and we brought a lot of <laughs> party equipment. <laughs> and and uh, Iggy, would, Iggy would sneak around most nights and, you know, he'd spend a little time enjoying himself with our goodies. Yes. And uh, and then one weekend, boy, came up and boy, we couldn't believe it, you know. There, there they were, both of them, both of them in our little studio, to checking out what what was going on. And they they had this song where they wanted a like a football chorus, so they wanted a crowd crowd of people. And we all piled in. We were all around the microphone. And then after a couple of takes, I remember boy saying rather uh, d- diplomatically, "Why doesn't everyone who doesn't sing for a living take a few steps back?" <laughs> and uh which left me boy and icky at the microphone and can you believe all these years later no one had a camera uh, i mean <laughs> a... the idea of now i mean it'd be the first thing you would do but
0: uh nowadays but yeah to, you'd, you'd take a selfie yeah
1: everyone every, you know <laughs> that you would be you would be instantly but um thankfully I got a, a credit on
0: the album, otherwise, even I would think I was making this up. <laughs> well, at least you got the credit. We got the credit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one thing about collaborating is uh, you, you always do well with sharing your vocals in the spotlight. I mean, whether it's backup singers or something like the uh, that live version of "Dirty Old Town," you you. It's great. Yeah. She's Great. So you. Oh man,
1: she's great
0: you you always done that well. Um, and Sense of Discovery kind of reminds you of the the great chorus, uh, Alive and Kicking, you know? That, yeah. Um, I don't know if you agree with that. I guess you do. Yeah, it has that. Oh, same. sure.
1: It was, it, was, it was even intentional, I would say. We were very aware of... I mean, the first thing going back, you're right, and, of course, when you think of Alive and Kicking, and, and I guess, you know, thinking of the great Robin Clark, um, who mm. still amazing singer and still works but um, i mean from from day one uh when you get presence like that around you I mean, why would you not want to give it a spotlight and 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 um um we do have a track record of doing that and we've kept it up as you quite rightly see with Sarah yes. brown on um the recent stuff that um dirty old town was quite emotional because <laughs> we you know a few months ago that terrible thing well about six months ago that terrible thing in manchester that bomb going off but yeah. the the concert we were in man uh, manchester so that was less than 24 hours later and less than a mile from the event
0: right
1: and dirty old town was written by ewan mccall back in the 60s about manchester hmm. and about the soul of man manchester and um 24 hours later, there was even some doubt as to whether the gig was going to go on or whether it should go on. Hmm. Uh, it did. And uh, at the sound check, we said, let's, let's, do, let's do a, a one off. And I think Sarah had never sung it. She, she ran it a couple of times at the sound check. So, yeah. so what you're getting really is the, the emotion of the night.
0: Interesting. Yeah, it is, it is a very emotional song. Uh, I think summer though is my pick uh, as the best on the album. ran um, ironically for something titled summer, it's sort of dark and driving, <laughs> uh, but immediately caught my attention. I mean, I don't know what you call a single anymore, but maybe this should be the single. I yeah, don't. I don't buy days, from and, iTunes. So yeah, I, I
1: listen. I'm you're talking my line. The old days. I think that would. have people here now would have said that's a single god knows what what that is now but uh (laughs) it's certainly catchy enough and up uplifting enough i wrote that we we toured a lot um still and 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 one of the you know it's was great to travel around and and um a couple of years ago we were up way the north of uh scandinavia right at that we were out right at the peak of the sort of midnight sun, which was uh, unreal we were We were playing festival uh going on at after midnight, and it was still daylight but um up there, a place called Bergen and up there, I mean the whole town these these places i guess uh everyone uh, this must go back it was like a Viking celebration. Yeah. The whole town was just hyped up they were going out into the countryside to lose themselves for a few days and you you, people were ecstatic they were going to have a great time and um not going on to midnight i was sitting in a hotel room thinking well maybe do some work here and uh we had the track and a very uplifting track and i guess i was influenced by the kind of um feeling around me
0: yeah
1: and uh, I thought hey I'm gonna try and write one of the, one of the ultimate um, summer songs uh, <laughs> although the Ashley brothers might, might have the edge on that but but um but yeah it's got that um, you know it's got all that imagery and um, yeah glad that uh, it made that impression on you
0: that now, now you're gonna do something uh, interesting with the album on tour you're gonna play it in three parts. You're gonna do the album in its entirety. Is that correct? Um,
1: Yeah, we are. We just, you know, what it's 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 so great that the last few years it seemed, you know, especially when you know when let's cut to the chase. You know, people go heritage act or a classic act. Right, right. Oh no, you're not gonna play new stuff, are you? (laughs) Uh, um, uh, And um, I don't know. Over the years, that became quite commonplace for any. active yeah, I know. Vin- vintage to hear. However, with this one, when we put it in record, everyone said, no, you got to play the album. And we were yeah. saying, some of the album, and they were going, no, no, the album, this is enough. Right. Al- I mean, also the fact is that I like, I don't know if it, you noticed it, but when I say only, the album is only 42 minutes. It's right. not one of these 13, 14 track things Were. And it's got a focus, and it's got all that. So we thought, all right, let's uh, let's go well, out and not only play it, but let's talk about it as well. Let's uh, let's make a bit of a fuss. So um, coming up around the corner next next month, we'll set up. A...
0: You're going to also have questions live on stage interview. Did you say?
1: Yeah, yeah. We're going. You know, obviously, we're going to we're going to through the social networks. Wow. Uh, it'll that's... be interesting because every night, I mean, many of these places are different languages. So, but fortunately, most people speak English. But yeah, we're going to invite a few questions and uh, see how that thing goes.
0: I like this three-parter. I, I like the fact that you're playing the album in its entirety. You're interacting with the audience in a different way. And, I mean, you can't underestimate nostalgia. you got to play the old... You know hits, and I gotta, I gotta, I'll give you an example. I, you know, I went to, uh, you know, my son and I watched The Breakfast Club, and at the end, after the movie, he was humming, um, (laughs) "Don't you forget about me." (laughs) So, and he said, he's ten, and see how you're cap, you're capturing some a, a younger audience. I mean, it's it's a timeless song. So, yeah,
1: I mean, just that movie. Well, a combination, but of course that movie seems to transcend generations. I yes. mean, it's everywhere, but especially the states, and uh, it's become one of those iconic pop things. I mean, it gets parodied so much as as well, but uh, even that's kind of cool. But um, but it's yeah, cool, well, you know. Who, I just thought a ten-year-old
0: hearing it for the first time, it was kind of cool <laughs> and liking it, you know.
1: Well, it's funny when we play live. There's, you know, you see kids in the audience, yeah. and it's kind of obvious that their parents have brought them along, and and maybe, maybe they maybe they came half willing because they know <laughs> that song or something. Yes. And I always, I always, you know, if I see them, I always say, uh, "Did your mom and dad make you come?" And uh, <laughs> they'll nod their head, and I'll say, "Could have been worse. Could have been Duran Duran." <laughs>
0: If they know who Duran Duran is yet. Could
1: have been really worse. Could have been Spando Bali.
0: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I want to talk about, uh, before we hang up, a little bit about record collecting. And uh, I would love for you to... I would love to do other interview uh, on this subject, because I know you're an avid collector. Um, And specifically, Simple Mind stuff, right? I mean, that's what you mainly collect and you're you're still collecting for stuff. You're still looking for stuff. Um, and you're a completist, right? I mean, as far as this is concerned, when you you uh you're trying to own everything that was ever put out, right? Is that correct? Does that include memorabilia and other formats?
1: Well there was a point where there was a point where Charlie Burchill and I were yeah. I mean, a while ago we thought you know we haven't got any stuff. Where do we give it all away? Or who would have thought? And then it's a certain point, of course, when stuff started turning up online. We, uh, we've we got a friend um, uh, in Glasgow, a guy called Billy Sloan, who really is an amazing collector. And we said, Billy, you know, every time you see stuff you think we should have. Uh, because, you know, we just... The more you go on, I mean, it sounds terrible to, to, to sound so uh, self-obsessed, but it, no. this is a little band and yeah. uh, it all means something. So we said to Billy, every time you see something, let's you know put it together for us. And thanks to Billy, actually. Yeah. Um, because he's an amazing collector of sports stuff, of rock and roll stuff. I mean, he's got Elvis tour jackets. He's wow. got stuff, man. He won't tell me where it is. He's got it in a lock-up in Glasgow somewhere. <laughs> no one knows where it is. But um, well, I'm should... kind of worried now yeah. that, that we've got all this stuff and Billy looks after because I say to Billy, you're going to get me bumped off and then that will go up in value. <laughs> I'm worried about it. Probably won't go up that much in value, but it, you know, it all comes in handy.
0: So you collect it all, not just vinyl. You you're collecting all of it.
1: Yeah, well, if it's there, we kind of yeah. want it. Is and, there and, something
0: that's in your view right now? Or is there something that uh, because you know collectors listen to this? So,
1: well, it goes that far now. I'm trying to, you know, we've got we've got some of the acetates. Ah. And, and that's, you know, that's really getting in there deep. But, uh, um, yeah, some of the, the acetates that the discs were actually cut off, that yeah. were 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 kind of, uh, it'd be good to have a few more of them.
0: You know I, know, I always found it hard to believe that the bands, the, the musicians never get those, that they never... Uh, I know. It, it, it seems like uh, maybe they do and they don't, uh, they kind of forget about them, but...
1: <laughs> they, 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 you know, back in the day who knew anything it was just a thing and you were probably crashing in someone's flat at the time and you yes. thought I'm not going to carry this this thing around or, or the management got it or something um, um, but I remember the first time I mean and I, I don't want to I was backstage and this little guy came up you know and he was almost Gollum-esque <laughs> and he said to me you know look what I've got And I said, how the fuck did you get that? We should have that. (laughs) And I said, yeah, but you don't have it. I have it. (laughs) And and I said, but that's our stuff. Well, actually, technically, it's not our stuff. Because the fucking record company that owned it. But um, I guess record companies, you know, have certain days where they just clear out all their junk. They do. And somebody knows that that's not junk. I know someone no. who like that, or someone who want that. And I suppose a lot of stuff finds its way. That it way, does,
0: gets auctioned off. Yep, it's yeah. it's interesting. Is the, yeah. uh, now with streaming on the rise? Do you see this it hurting the tangible this this art of collecting?
1: Well, I mean, there's still this thing. I mean, uh, a couple of weeks ago friend of mine was really badgering you know she was saying i want to hear the album i want to hear the album i said "Well, i'm going to send you a link all all our work is down to a link (laughs) but uh i said hold off i'll send you the whole thing when it comes the vinyl everything hold off but you know we got this on-demand culture where we all want it all and, and we want it now but you know i suppose some of the good good stuff for instance um BMG with a record. I mean, they put they're putting out a real extensive uh, mixture of you know,
0: they are, various
1: yeah. versions and various colored vinyls and all of that. But I suppose I should tell you my 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 first ever sort of um foray into collecting was at the age of twelve. Well I was just about turning thirteen I went on a school trip. School trip took us from Scotland to Italy, and uh, which was an amazing thing. But the first day there, I took a walk along the front. It was a place called Rimini, and there was a, there was a little record store mm. that, of all things, I already had all the albums, David. All, it was Bowie, Ziggy stuff, and Space Oddity and all that. But they had Genesis stuff mm. that, because our it Italian editions had like picture bags and picture sleeves, we didn't have them on singles right. in the UK. And within 24 hours, I had spent all my money on records that I already owned back <laughs> home. <laughs> I had to, I mean, for the, the, the remaining two weeks, I had to cage hamburgers and stuff off my, my schoolmates <laughs> because I had just, I just blew my tank on the first day and, uh, and that was but i couldn't wait to get home and show everyone uh, uh what i had you know sure and, um that's, that's what it's all about that's
0: about the art of collecting man uh, yeah. I, I you know are you um into this doing what's big now is like bands doing limited edition um sometimes they sell it on their own site only uh you know box sets stuff like that um yeah
1: <clears throat> yeah we we being able to bring everyone together on the sites has been a great thing. That's yeah. that's a great that's a great side of the whole medium, um, and um, not only because people will pay a lot of money for stuff, it gives you the budgets to go the extra mile with stuff. So um, so through the years, indeed we 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 have done various things, and and um, and I can see that. I can see that as uh, yeah. I mean, do you have awesome. any?
0: Do you have any demos of Johnny and the Self Abusers?
1: <laughs> People would love yeah, that. We we do, but of course, inevitably, there's arguments about who owns it because the drummer says he owned it because uh, his dad paid for it, or oh, or the bass player said no, he owned it because he he paid for it with his paper run, or the... uh, it gets into all all that stuff, and you're like, yeah, well, well, whatever, but you know. Someone will come up and uh, peace will break out.
0: You know, p- fans want to hear that. So yes, uh, sooner or later something will give. I'm sure.
1: <laughs> I, well, you know, stuff that I hear, I'm amazed sometimes, and don't ask me where it comes from. But on YouTube and stuff, you yes. you can hear you can hear recordings from rehearsal rooms oh, years man. ago. I mean, there's there's stuff up there that uh, I think. I actually remember one or two and there were two or three in the morning we would record stuff on cassettes uh back back then it was or maybe on a little task scam and you know you forget about all that stuff you don't know who owned it who who took it it was just a it was just one night's rehearsal but it turns up because it so happens to be maybe that night was when the seed of one or two songs of note came together and um uh, you know so people are always finding stuff
0: it becomes like a sort of historic record you know what i mean
1: yes it does it really does Uh, um it really does and you know photographs kind of the same although as i said back in the day we ourselves uh no one really had a camera, no. or, or it seemed it seemed a hassle. I mean, it, some people turned up recently, for pictures of us back in Berlin in 1979 by the wall and all that stuff. And right? It was re- it was emotional to see them. It was so great.
0: Yeah, back then bands liked photographers, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> That's a point, yeah. <laughs> um, stunning.
0: I got to ask you one more question. What's your opinion on Record Store Day? Do you get involved? Do you? Um...
1: Yeah, we have. I mean, through the years, I I think last year was for whatever reason, I don't know. Last year was we didn't, but um, I think over the last four or five years, we uh, we have, um, or maybe more, we have put out something on vinyl, or or gone down to one or two of the the um the shops and hung out yeah. and um um i mean god where would we be without the record shops that was oh culture. yeah that was, i that love the day
0: uh, it's it's a great day uh record oh, man, day. It's,
1: it's a great day my first ever girlfriend i mean my first kind a serious girlfriend at the age of 16 she worked behind the uh, the record store, you know. Yeah. It was always it was, she she was she worked behind the counter. It was uh they were the cool people.
0: Well I'm seeing online right here, are you still looking for uh Don't You Forget About Me, UK Limited Edition Uncut Picture Disc.
1: Did oh, you Oh, is that did, <laughs> that, is, that might be Billy Sloan who's <laughs> who's checking that that out.
0: Absolutely. I can remember the when picture discs were just decorative. You know, we'd hang yeah. them up on the wall. But now they're serious collectible. They're, they people play them. They sound better. Um, yeah. So something yeah. like that. Yeah, that would do well, like, a, a record Can store I tell there. you
1: what, Can I tell you my uh, my greatest yes. miss in terms of being collected that we and this is only about four years ago, um, because our name Simple Minds we took it from Bowie's Gene Jean, Jean Genie. There's yes. a line in that. Anyway, four years ago, I hear in London, there's Boy memorabilia going up. And one of the things is uh, there's uh, handwritten lyrics to Gene Genie that Boy did on a tour bus. Hmm. We were busy at the time, so I called my... Uh, my manager, I said, Look, <clears throat> make sure we get this. Yes. Um, and he said, Yeah, well, he asked, Look, you can't go wrong. I mean, Jesus, David Bowie, and uh, of course, we had no idea of, of the sad state of affairs. It was about Jamez, but uh, he fucking forgot to put oh. in the bit, And, you know, and it wasn't crazy expensive either. You know, it wasn't cheap, but it wasn't crazy expensive. Right. And for us, yeah, because it was boy, but particularly that song in relation to the band's name and yes. all that, it would have been a great thing to have. And, uh, yeah, it'll have zoomed in uh, value since then.
0: Well, you might see it again up on auction.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs>
0: there's always stuff. Always. People are constantly yeah. selling and buying again, so it, yeah. will, it will come back. Hey, listen, yeah. it's been it's been a pleasure, man, and I would love to interview you more about collecting, and we have something, a column that's very popular. It's called Ten Albums That Changed My Life, and, of course, it's talking Alrighty. about vinyl albums. Um, listen, I'm
1: always happy to enthuse.
0: Yes. We just did something with Mike Scott, and he, he did a flip. Oh, cool. Flip sides.
1: (laughs) His favorite. Listen, I've got a book that Mike Scott gifted me when we toured together back in the day, and he signed it for me. So I've already got a bit of Mike Scott's memorabilia. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Lovely to talk to you. Yeah, it was great talking to you, Jim. And I hope to see you here stateside. All Uh, the best. All the best to you, too, man. Jim Kerr. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, pick up Simple Minds new album, Walk Between Worlds. And if you have any Simple Minds memorabilia, maybe you want to advertise in Goldmine in the classified section, because Jim could buy it after all. You never know. Okay, thanks listeners. Remember to pick up Goldmine at Select Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and Indie Record Stores. You can find those record stores at goldminemag.com. And while you're at it, uh, while you're at the website, scroll down and subscribe. And you'll get a significant deal off the cover price. You can get it delivered straight to your door. Cheers to all. See you next time.